Oh, brother, that was crisp. We are here with PTC Cast episode 10, Diaz. We're yes. double digits. Diaz. Diaz. You say that because I'm Mexican, man? No, I just. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just was feeling good, you know? I'm the, but I'm that white guy, like in the gym, like I'm always like, mi hermano. Or like, mi hermano, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Por qué? Por qué, wait? Yeah, that, that white guy that's just throwing out like the generic Spanish phrases. Bro, that's all that I know. So it's the generic Spanish I don't fault phrases. you for it. What is this, ASMR? No. What this is, is this is PTC Cast episode 10, and we're going to talk about the history of your powerlifting career, how you went from 400 pounds to a 220 shredded beast, and essentially... I don't know about shredded. Essentially maintained... I mean, you're just as strong as you were. Yeah. I mean, all your numbers are the same. Yeah, and some... I'm sure that the spots where I'm like keeping up there it's because now I'm maximizing my leverages sure but I have lost you know a lot of strength on my you know bench so maybe squat. so maybe in terms of raw strength but you've made up for it and in, in skill yeah exactly and your health is probably 20 yeah, times man. better than it was however exactly. you want to measure that okay but so let's start from the beginning then so for those who don't know Chris was the strongest teen in the world yes sir <laughs> gang <And> gang <laughs> I don't I don't mean to like flex or anything but I do think it's really cool. I'm, I achieved that, first of all, completely natural. And second of all, in only, um, I think it was two and a half years. So while most of these people are training powerlifting for like 10 years or whatever, mm-hmm. before they turn 20, mm-hmm. I started at, I think I started at like 17. Right. So Okay. So 17 years old. And so you were strongest team when you were 19 then, or 18. Um, 19. 19. Okay, yes. so 19 years old, strongest team in the world. What were your numbers? 885 squat, 545 bench, and 765 deadlift. And this is all like IPF regulations, so a deep enough squat, a non-hinge deadlift, a, yes. a pause so, bench, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like so powerlifting rules, this is not in gym, this is in competition then. That's what I was about to say. Okay. It is all in gym. All in gym, okay. So, which is very unfortunate. So the meet where I wanted to make it all official, everything was going good. And, you know, this sounds like a pity story, but honestly, I don't really care anymore because it is what it is. Sure. Um, On my first attempt on squat, I ended up, you know, blowing it out of the water. It was an 830 squat. Like, it seriously looked like an empty bar. And then on my second attempt of 900, it slipped off my back. But... It was really, really light, whatever. I wasn't tripping about it. You know, sure. I did it on my third. And then on my third attempt, um, I unracked it and it kind of like slid down a little. So I re-racked it. And on the, you know, when I got the squat command, went down good. And when I started coming up, I started slowing down. But the spotter on my left side grabbed the bar. Grabbed the bar. Yeah. And not... Not only, you know, did all of that happen, but in my second attempt, I was completely wrapped and ready to go. And this is actually why I missed the second attempt. I sat there in my wraps, tight as hell, for about three minutes. And because they didn't know how to put on 900 pounds on the bar. Like, they couldn't do the calculations or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, for like three minutes, I had the wraps on. And finally, somebody from the crowd, it was probably like five minutes, uh, somebody from the crowd was like, dude, you know, put on this amount of the Illico plates. And so finally, they got it on. I took my wraps off, 
as soon as I took them off. Bars loaded. Yeah. So in See. under 60 seconds, I had to put the wraps right back on. And by that time, like my legs were, I couldn't feel anything. They were numb. Yeah. And, you know, I attempted to squat the nine. Wasn't there. Yeah. But That's so hard, man. Because I know, I mean, I know how I can falter on a set just if like, Brianna asks me something before the set starts or if I have the wrong song on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I couldn't I couldn't imagine like being out of routine or you know what I mean? Like I couldn't imagine being messed with like that. Like that's mm-hmm. that stuff. I've also heard of instances before where people misload the bar and yes. then they'll give a fourth attempt. And so it's like you got a fourth attempt, sure, but, but it's hey. not you're you're toast, you know what I mean? So I've I've heard of scenarios like that before. But okay, so so moving on, um what were your other numbers in that meet? Um, my bench was a 515 and then just also a little side note after I missed that 900 like creating that official strongest team in the world that was gone like there's no there was no more making that into a reality this was like April 15th or something and my birthday was April 30th I couldn't do another meet within 15 days yeah um so that goal was gone. I honestly didn't really care about the rest of the meet, but I ended with a 515 bench and then a 635 deadlift, okay. which is 130 pounds less than what my deadlift should have been. Yeah, I was going to say, because I remember at the, the fundraiser at PAC... Um, 725. We, mm-hmm, we had did, Yeah, we had done a, a fundraiser for a member at PAC, the first gym that Chris and I trained at together, and... Um, yeah, unfortunately, he uh, one of our members came down with a sickness, and so we did a fundraiser for him. And so one of the events for the fundraiser was for every pound you lifted, people would donate, you know, X amount of cents or dollars yeah. or whatever. And so like pulled seven twenty five that day. So if people you know pledged a dollar a pound, like that's seven hundred twenty five bucks. That's really cool. So, I guess yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, I think we raised like ten grand or something like that, which so was super awesome. cool. Um, but anyways. Kind of moving forward from there, so with all those numbers and all that strength, you know, it all looks great on paper and it all sounds great to talk about, but what did it look like? It what was your disgusting. body weight? You know, I was 400 pounds. Mm. And Which is almost double what you are right now. Yeah. and Which is essentially you plus me right now. Yeah. Um, just also a little side note, I was 180 pounds when I decided to become the world's strongest team and I gained 220 pounds in two years. Yeah. So, you know, obviously from doing that... about 10 pounds a month, man. Yeah. Um, In the first... Wow. Dude, that's like... Wow. I mean, that's 10 pounds a month. That's that's a lot of calories, I I gained 60 pounds in the first two and a half months. Wow. Yeah. And those 60 pounds probably came from, you know, the... After the first 30 days. Because Mm -hmm. the first 30 days was just shoveling food Mm -hmm. into my body. But my body Mm -hmm. also just, like, getting rid of it all. And you're you're obviously, you know, naturally an athlete, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you first really started pounding on those first 60 pounds, my assumption is you probably still looked pretty lean up until you got maybe in the latter half of the 200s, right? Yeah. Like, I would assume that you were probably in in pretty good shape from there. So I guess my question for you now is, like, and of course, no regrets and all of that. But if you ever had to do it again, like, would you gain that same amount of weight? Because personally, and just through all the coaching that I've done and what I've seen is there's definitely uh, not only a point of diminishing returns, but a point of it's worse to be bigger. Yeah, 100%. I think if I was to, you know, have the knowledge that I do now mm-hmm. and ask myself if I want to do it again, yeah, there's no way. Yeah. I probably wouldn't even be powerlifting, honestly. Okay. But, um, okay. But so if you, so, okay. 
So if you were to do that again, what do you think? At, at what body weight do you think you stop doing? Any I would have stopped at like two twenty. Okay. Yeah, right now I'm like two two forty, and I I think if I was to have stopped at two twenty and then just rode around like two twenty two forty, just back and forth, that mm-hmm. oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I would have been freaking. Or I guess I say that I would have been unstoppable, but obviously I wouldn't have gotten as strong as I did. Sure. So, sure. I so, guess I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. So after you, you know, got all those numbers as a 19-year-old, was your plan to continue on with powerlifting? Yeah. So the crazy thing is, which it kind of came into fruition, even though it's a little bit earlier, when I decided to become the strongest team that ever lived, um, I knew that I was going to have to gain a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And I told myself, when I turn 25, I'm going to quit powerlifting and I'm going to go back to weighing 180 pounds. And dude, I'm 23 right now. I decided to, or at the time I decided to quit powerlifting a year ago. Mm-hmm. I lost a total of 175 pounds. So I feel like everything somehow is going according to plan. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Which it's, is so weird to yeah, think about. Yeah, but okay, so to kind of stay within that time frame then. So you're, you're 19, you just hit all these crazy lifts. Mm. At the time, was the plan to maintain the body weight? Was the plan to lose the body weight? Was what was the plan then? I couldn't maintain four hundred pounds. Mm. Like it was, it was already torture trying to maintain um, or get to four hundred pounds because I had to eat so much and just sleep so much. And not only that, I had the luxury of not having to work at that time when I was gaining all that weight. Um, so. My job was literally to power lift, to sleep, and to eat. And my body isn't meant to be, you know, that heavy. So if I wasn't on my game with those three things, then I would constantly lose weight. So um, I decided to go around like 360 pounds and just chill around there. Fluctuate between like 330, 360. Okay. So did that answer the question? Yeah. So, okay. So you're fluctuating between 330 and 360. Yeah. And this is, help me out with the time frame here. Is this like 19 to 20? So 2017, 2018. Yeah. Okay. So 2017, 2018. um, Between 2018 and 2020, because I know COVID was kind of when you decided you were really going to lose the majority of the body weight. Mm -hmm. So what what's going on between 2018 and 2020? Are you still powerlifting? Are you just kind of dicking around? Are you what are you doing? So 2018, that's when I went to uh, Midland University, and yeah, Which I is was where Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. Okay. I was still you know kind of serious about powerlifting, but I didn't really have any. You're on the team. Yeah, I right. was on the team, um, but I didn't have any like clear goals with my powerlifting career. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of just doing whatever uh, my coach at the time would you know tell me to do now was that the first time you had a powerlifting coach no josh bryant um he coached me as like the later okay. part of my powerlifting teenage career okay that meet that where i wanted to make myself the official strongest team um josh bryant actually brought me like under his wing um, okay to guide me through that whole process which that dude is an amazing coach and his coaching philosophy is like um or his coaching practices are so just unconventional and so weird, and but what, they work. In, in what ways? So usually with, or what I've seen with a lot of coaches or just the way that most people train is they stick to um, 
conventional lifts, like let's say for squat bench deadlift. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Josh Bryant, like he does uh, sled drags, sled pushes. Um, I don't, I can't think of a lot off my mind, but just very unconventional things that you wouldn't think would work for you know powerlifting. So he was maybe trying to keep you a little bit more athletic. Yeah, because you know the the whole the reason a lot of powerlifting coaches stick with that conventional approach is it's, it's the principle of specificity, right? If you want to get better at squat, bench, and deadlift, you need you to squat, more. bench, and deadlift, which makes sense, but you, you miss a lot of bases there. You know, you don't, mm. you don't cover everything you need to be doing to be a well-rounded athlete or to be the strongest team in the world. So it's really interesting that, you know, that unconventional approach is kind of not necessarily what got you there, but it was a big part of what got you there, I'm sure. Yeah, man, you, it really was. And were you relatively, I mean, injury-free through that time? Oh, yeah. The only injuries that I've gotten in my powerlifting career is a meniscus tear because my coach told me to bench and squat shoes. Which coach was this? Um, Tim, Tim, Coach Tim from Midland University. Okay, okay. So we're getting back to the Midland thing then. Yeah, okay. um, which that, I guess, was probably my fault too. You know, I kept on feeling it, but I kept on pushing mm-hmm. it and eventually yeah. just, yeah. And then... Another injury that I got, which actually wasn't from powerlifting, it was from rock climbing, was I slightly ripped this bicep, and then the next day, guess what I did? Who? What? So after I did that, the next day I decided to attempt an 800-pound deadlift. How'd that go? Yeah, I messed it up like even <laughs> you more. Like, yeah, it popped up. Yeah. And this was after I lost, it's pretty ballsy, I man. think, like 100 pounds from the whole COVID thing. That's pretty ballsy, dude. Yeah. Okay, so to circle back, though, we're at Midland. Um, it's 2018, 2019. Did you compete much with them? Yeah, I competed a couple times. Um, the first couple competitions were horrible because of my training philosophy. Like, I just wanted to go balls to the wall every single time. Of harder's better. Yeah, exactly. And in, in the actual meets, I wanted to, you know, my first attempt be my current max. Mm-hmm. And just unrealistic. Um expectations putting on myself yeah one thing that i'm so grateful for when it comes to midland is they instill like hey um more is not better and not only that whenever you are competing like it's not just go balls to the wall in competition like there's actually a strategy that you need to play 100%. yeah and you need to be you need to reserve um you know your lifts mm-hmm. so that you can actually get the ones that matter in the meet. sure yeah so. yeah that makes sense so, did it com- competed with them a couple times. Um, how long were you there? A year. Okay, and so what made you decide to stop powerlifting with them? Um, money. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I just didn't... Well, I saved money, but it was more of like the whole concept of college. Yeah. Like, I just didn't like it. Okay, you know, I gotcha. I was learning astronomy yeah. and art history, <laughs> and I paid yeah. them $20,000 yep. to do that. Yeah, that's, that's college, man. But, okay, so... As far as the powerlifting experience goes with them, I mean, would you consider it beneficial? What, what do you think? Because I think at the time it was negative just mm-hmm. because of my outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking back on it, like, they have an amazing powerlifting program. Really? Yeah, like the equipment, um, the actual coaching itself, the whole environment. Like, it's all for powerlifters. Yeah. And, you know, I I love it. You know, it was, it was awesome. But... Again, wasn't worth okay. um, the twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my just, eyes. And that's just tuition and you yeah, know, exactly. cost of being okay. And that's cool. okay. So so you come back to Texas, um still twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, something like that. Yeah. 
Um, so where are we at now? Are we still powerlifting? What's the goal? What's the yeah, focus? Yeah, so that's when I decide to get like serious in powerlifting. Sure. Um, you know, I kind of got realigned with my passion in powerlifting and I started pushing myself even more and more in the gym and um, I also decided to try a cycle. Um, so just a very low cycle, but... Cycle of? Uh, testosterone and I attempted to do D-ball, but... Didn't you like know, it. After a week of that, you know, I couldn't even walk without crazy back pumps. And I yeah. was, you know, 360 pounds. So, of course, yeah. everything's just going to be worse being sore. Yeah. So, but, what exactly was it that made you decide to take that step? Because, because obviously, being, you know, having been the unofficial strongest team in the world, all these numbers, all these athletic endeavors, like you have this great foundation. So was that just to try to crank it up a notch? Did you feel like that was something you needed or something you wanted? Um, I don't think it was something that I needed. I could have definitely gone, gone in the uh, long term. I think anybody can go in the long term. Um, it's just whether you want to or not. Okay. And personally, I wanted to see you know, what my body could do if I was on stuff. You yeah. know, I've waited this long. I've put in this much effort. Yeah, you had a, yeah. Better, a better foundation than probably yeah. anyone else that yeah, has exactly. ever started, and you know? Yeah, so it was no longer, like, something that I wanted to do because other people were doing. It was something that I felt like I had legitimately earned um, the right to yeah. do, which I guess everybody has the right to, but... But you had gotten your ducks in exactly, a row first, man. yeah. Um, because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's call it a supercharger for your car and are you going to supercharge a you know a, a 1995 honda civic or are you going to supercharge you know some sports car you know what i'm saying yeah, like exactly, it's, yeah. you you had your ducks in a row first you had all the things aligned first and then you do it because a lot of yeah. these a lot of these guys take powerlifting or bodybuilding as as um drug-centric sports which it definitely exists but if you don't have your prerequisites down you're always just going to go back to okay turn up my drugs turn up my drugs turn up exactly. my drugs and that's not that's it's not the name of the game. Yeah, it's a dangerous and it's not, you know, optimal. Right, right. Okay, so this is so. So this is 2019, got back from Midland, started some tests, a little bit of D-ball. Mm-hmm. Where are we at? What's going on? So that's when um, my strength started going. Well, before the test in D-ball, I had got my squat up to a 900-pound raw squat. A, yeah, a... I think my bench was still the same, like 545, and then my deadlift was up to, um, yeah, it was still 765. Fuck. Yeah, so it was mainly my squat that improved, but... You consider yourself a squat specialist, right? I love squat, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, like, it's kind of, it's hard, mm-hmm. um, you know, because I don't have you the have body the that I did. Yeah, yeah, you don't have the belly. Yeah, exactly, and it's, it's fun still, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like deadlift better now, but... After I got on the uh, test for, you know, a couple of weeks, I ended up squatting 965, deadlifting 805 for two, and then benching 565. And that was all in preparation for powerlifting meet. My goal at the powerlifting meet was to squat 1,000 pounds, bench 585, and I think it was deadlift 835 and I would have been I genuinely think I would have hit those numbers but COVID happened Mm -hmm. and I wasn't able to compete Mm -hmm. so even the 965 squat I had to do a week after squatting 945 yeah and that's that's hard yeah that's really hard 
Okay, so it's March 2020. Um, COVID hits. Yeah. You're 360 pounds, yeah, 370. 365. Okay. So you're 365, COVID hits, and suddenly you can't you can't power lift. Yeah. You can, you know what I mean? And you're 365 pounds, so you can you could figure out a way to do push-ups, but there's a belly there, man. There's not a big range. You know what I'm saying? So it's like what what happened? What goes on? What what was the pivot? So Talk like you me. said, I tried to figure out, you know, a way to keep on powerlifting. Um, you know, I would contact um, home gym owners and see if I could lift with them. And, you know, they didn't want me to be there for their family's sake sure. because nobody really knew what this COVID thing was. Right. It's completely understandable. And then right. I got to the point where I was doing like curls and presses with a basketball, my basketball hoop. <laughs> yeah. I actually have a video. Have you seen that? Yeah, video? I've seen that video. Yeah. yeah. Doing like shoulder raises with the bike. But hey, you can't, you know, hit everything. You yeah. can't progress doing that. You're just you trying can't to even maintain. Yeah. I was, I was desperate. And then. What I noticed is well, while I was doing all of that, I was kind of, and I don't mean to sound dramatic here, I was kind of having this like existential crisis because this whole, like for the past five, six years of my life, I was a powerlifter and my whole like being was aligned to powerlifting. Mm-hmm. You weren't a human, you were a powerlifter. Yeah, exactly. It was, so, it was your identity. Yeah, that was who I was. And now I had to, I had no choice but to face my reality right and my reality was i was 20 22 years old living at my parents house dropped out of college you know twenty thousand dollars in debt i work at um you were gonna as a bus driver no i was oh you were at the bus during covid okay okay yeah i was um bus driving either that or mark no i was bus driving and just my life wasn't anywhere where you know if i was 18 looking at myself now where I'd be like, you know, that's somebody I admired. Right. Um, and, you know, I was also thinking like, hey, how long can I keep this up for? Like, when am I going to, if I keep on doing this, you know, for a couple more years, like, when yeah. am I going to die? The the identity discussion is an interesting one. Um, when I prepped for my first show, I was 17 and um, cocky as all hell. Mm-hmm. And so I remember like telling people that like I had no intents on losing, like I was going to win this thing. Because, you know, you watch Pumping Iron and Arnold won every competition. So why wouldn't I win every competition, yeah, right? But it was like that, you know, so that was my identity is I was a bodybuilder. And I'll never forget placing four out of four at that show. And I've you know, we've all been in our fair shares of like depressions and downs and stuff, but that was by far like one of the lowest of my life was losing that show after identifying myself as a bodybuilder. It hurts. So, so it's just interesting how COVID hit and you, you were forced to, to take a real look in the mirror because suddenly you couldn't, you couldn't do the thing that you were. I mean, if somebody asked you to tell to tell you about you, you would That's say, I'm I a power lifter. Yeah I, yeah. I, I lift and I eat and I sleep. You know what I mean? So it, it really, it, it just forces you to be like, oh, okay, yeah. here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're in COVID. We've realized we can't power lift anymore. What's next? So it's either I stay a fat slob. and Slob, wow. Yeah, I was a slob. Um, and I wait until COVID's done, and then I continue on powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I squat 1,000 at the end of the year. And I hit mm-hmm. those meet goals that I wanted to meet sure. just at the end of the year. Sure. And then I continue on. Whatever. Um, I could choose that. Or I could get an early head start on what I wanted to do when I hit 25, which was 
to actually look good, feel good. And I started thinking about more than just my life. And I started thinking about like my mom, my brother, my sister, and the fact that I want to be there for them when mm-hmm. they get older, you know? I don't want them to like be at my grave yeah. because I was very irresponsible for a certain amount of years. Yeah. Like that's that's not a future that I want for them. So when you were initially gaining that weight and when you were, you know, up in that whatever 350, 400 pound body weight bracket, did you were you consciously aware that like you what you were doing to your health did you not care did you see it as a sacrifice did you think you'll just lose it later like where where were you at with that um this is gonna sound really silly but i took pride in it like how unhealthy i was and like because you were willing to sacrifice your health for exactly Yeah. yeah but i'm sure that you know deep down um i was just really hurt and just really depressed and it was something that i was wasn't sure. ready to face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I remember that first year, the first year I gained over a hundred pounds. I think it was actually in the first, under the first eight months or the first six months, I gained a hundred pounds. Yeah. Jeez, and I remember um, there were so many nights where I couldn't even sleep because my heart rate was like at 150, uh, just trying to sleep. That's not... You know, that's not walking. That's not yeah. running. Like, that was me trying like to sleep. Like, laying a lot of still, people, yeah. A lot of people, when they run, they look at their heart rate, and it's 150. And, yeah. you know, that was me. And I would always ask myself, like, damn, maybe tonight's the night where I, you know, kick the bucket, and I die of a heart attack. And that was a serious thought that I had um, so many nights. As a but, as a 22-year-old man, you know? No, that was when I was um, 18 or 18. So as an yeah. eight, yeah, as an 18 year old, as you're, you're sitting there having that conversation with yourself, like, sure, I'm performing all these crazy feats of strength, but what am I sacrificing for it? And when you realize, like, it, it could be your whole life, I'm sure it's a, a big eye opener. It was know? worth it when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I wasn't looking at, I was looking at tomorrow. I was looking at the list that I can get next week. Yeah, but yeah, when COVID happened and I had to face my reality. Um, it was not worth it. And mm-hmm. so that's when I decided, or I was also listening to David Goggins and he tells his story about losing, you know, a hundred pounds in three months or like, a, I think it was over a hundred pounds in three months. So I decided that, you know, I wanted to lose a hundred, like mm-hmm. him lose a hundred pounds in three months. And so I was off, I was off to the races. So you saw this window of opportunity where you essentially had nothing but time and potential because nobody was going out, nobody was working, nobody was... You know, if you were doing the bus job and it was summer, I was or, still getting paid. Or, yeah, you were still getting paid. So it was like, okay, beautiful. We've got all this free time. And, you know, we've talked about before on the podcast that, you know, I approach weight loss with most of my clients with a slow and steady approach because most people aren't in that scenario where they can just dive in like that. So yeah. it's it's pretty interesting to me that you, you obviously have this level of um, work ethic and commitment to what you want to do, but you were able to just fucking flip it on its head and be like, no, now we're taking the body weight off. Yeah, I've always had um, in my life when it comes to, um, I don't know if fitness is the right word, but when it comes to physical activity, I've always been like gung-ho with my physical activities. So when COVID came, you know, powerlifting was my gung-ho physical activity for five years. And when COVID came and I didn't really have a physical activity, like in my soul, I needed something that I could work extremely hard. every day to do and you know powerlifting could no longer fit that gap 
So it was also just a natural decision to start running. And because I love pain and suffering when it comes to improving myself Mm -hmm. and, you know, running and all of that losing weight was just, you know, an opportunity that I saw that I wanted to seize in order to go through that pain and suffering Mm -hmm. and, you know, continue to work. Right. Right. So you're able to spend, I mean, I'm trying to think Texas was locked down for maybe two or three months. Mm-hmm. So essentially lockdown starts and you lose how much pounds, how much, how many pounds by the time it's over? Um, I don't know by the time it's over. I know that I lost a hundred and, or I think it was a little bit over a little bit less than 120 pounds okay. in two and a half months. Okay. So day one worth, I'm going to say 365. Day yeah. one worth 365. What's the first step? <laughs> so I was still getting off of the effects of D-Ball. Okay. So I could barely walk. I could barely do right. anything. So I started off Which with Which I'm not super familiar with, but as I understand, one of the big side effects and cramping yep. is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if it's... It's not cramping. It's um, pumps. Yes. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I started off with walking at the end of the street um, and back, you know, and I'd do that every time that I ate. So it ended up being like... And being that fat... You know, it would take it's like huge. 10 minutes. Yeah. It would take me like 10 minutes to walk. Yeah. It wasn't something that I could do quick. But after like a week of doing that, I started walking to the end of the thing and then um, all the way down the park and walking around the park and then, you know, going just zigzagging through my neighborhood. We call I, that progressive overload. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure at that time. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. The effects of D-ball were out. So I was, I was able to walk a lot longer. Yeah. And every day, real quick side note, I would walk every morning, every night, and then at least 10 minutes every time that I finished a meal. Okay. So, you know, my physical activity was, I don't know, high, but it was up there. And, you know, day by day, week by week, I was pushing myself more and more and more. My morning walks would turn from, you know, like 20 minute walks to two hour walks. Wow. Yeah, and the same with my night walks because I didn't have anything to do but listen to David Goggins face my reality and fucking work, um, work toward this weight loss. Yeah. And so after about a month of the walks, I think I was at the part in David Goggins' story where he talks about, you know, broken shins and wrapping his legs up. And I was like, I can do that. So at like 330 pounds, I started running. And, and was this was this the same approach with the walk? Like, were you just running a little bit? Oh, then, no. When it came to running, like, I was running. You just hit it. I hit it. Like, obviously, my parents are here to let you know. But, dude, I could barely walk throughout the day from all the running. But even through all the pain, like, it was so painful, Alex. Mm-hmm. I had, like, this sick masochism mindset is what you wanted it's what i wanted because you know this was progress this pain was telling me like hey i'm hitting what i want to hit and so you know running around the neighborhood and you know it turned from like half a mile or a quarter mile and then walking quarter mile then walking to in and off like with five mile runs man Wow. Yeah, dude. That's wild. Dude. And this was all while eating like a thousand calories. And... Oh, so you were essentially starving yourself too. Though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Dang, it was man. It was seriously one of the best parts of my life. 
I'm that's not gonna wild. Lie. Yeah. And when your body's just in this zone where it has, you know, whatever hundreds of pounds of fat to work with as energy storage. Wow. That's wild, man. Yeah, so my cardio consisted of walking and I didn't say this, but I also brought my elliptical in my room. Um, walking, going on the elliptical, and running. And I would never have like any rest times. When I was in my room, I was on the elliptical. When I wasn't on the elliptical, either I was running outside, eating, or it's nighttime and I'm sleeping. Like there was. So you're just always moving. Yeah, and you know, I wasn't really. When I say eating, I wasn't even really eating. You know, like I was barely eating. Mm-hmm. I was just moving, moving, moving. Mm-hmm. Pain, pain, pain. Just digging deep. And yeah. That's wild, man. Damn. Were you doing any kind of uh, like squats, push-ups? Like were you doing anything? No, I so did you, zero. You were just cardio in it for a few months then. Yeah, just like strictly cardio. Wow. Dang. And when the gyms opened up, this was around like September. Um was it around September? Maybe it was. Uh, I think it was a little earlier than that. I think okay. it was maybe August. Okay, I think it was August. Um, you know, I was eating like 700 calories, mm-hmm. and I couldn't even lift. Yeah, I, I, I was still lifting, but you probably felt really weak. After compared. every set, I would have to like lay down or sit down because <laughs> everything would go black. Yeah. But then I'd get up and go right back at it. That's wild, man. Yeah, man. And then that's when you were telling me, like, Chris, eat more. Yeah. Like, because I started gaining more weight and I stopped, you know, just everything was going to shit. And then you're like, Chris, eat more. And as soon as I started eating more, the weight started just Shut coming right off. back yeah. off, man. Yeah, you can't you can't play that game forever of just beating the shit out of your body. Eventually it catches up to you. Mm-hmm. And I found that's what a lot, of, a lot of people are actually in that scenario is they think that, oh, because I did the thousand calories a day and I lost 10 pounds in a month that that's the way I have to keep doing it forever. And it's it's not the case, man. Eventually, you have to care for your body. Eventually, you have to give it what it needs. Mm-hmm. But that's awesome, man. Damn. And if you experiment with it, if you experiment with how your body reacts to everything in life, food, training, um, sleep, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be able to know the ins and outs of your body and how to do things like, you know, lose massive amounts of yeah. weight or all of that. Because it's, it's a lot easier than you think yeah um i'm sure that i didn't have to eat yeah. you know a thousand calories or something like that like i could have been eating two thousand calories yeah but just eat the right kinds of foods right and i would have been performing so much better yeah um, losing weight at probably the same rate right maybe a little slower but yeah damn that's crazy man so if we were to fast forward you know you got all the way down to 220 and here you are now at 240 with another powerlifting meet on the menu so what's the goals this December then? What's the, so I don't have goals for this December. This is going to be a in-between um, meet. Wait, do I have goals for this December? I don't know. No, I don't have goals for this December. This is a in-between meet. My main okay. goal is for a powerlifting meet in April. That's where I want to break Dan Green's uh, 242 uh, powerlifting record. Um, he totaled 2,210, and I want to total 2,225. Wow. Yeah, with an 850 squat, 850 deadlift, and a 525 bench. Dude, it's... <laughs> and those we, numbers may fluctuate, but that's why. Yeah, man, it's crazy when... Obviously, it's crazy when we sit here and talk about the numbers, but and when you sit here and talk about, like, breaking Dan Green's record, like, 
I can't, yeah, get, my heart rate elevates a little bit. I'm no, like, man, dude. what if he sees this podcast, bro? <laughs> oh, all love. No, seriously, yeah. Dan Green is no for the goat, man. Um, George One of the Lehman. greatest. Yeah, George Lehman used to be my favorite powerlifter. Um, he hasn't powerlifted, um, you know, for a while now. But Dan Green, just watching the effort Incredible. he puts in his lifts, Incredible. I'll think he he'll get like one rep and then eight reps he later. Double, yeah. 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 Like it's amazing. It's wild. But no, I mean it just it really puts into context when you you toss around a name like that, like that that's what you're aiming for like that is weird. I you're guess. really yeah. you're you're really at the peak of the powerlifting world, man. Mm-hmm. So that's that's wild. But um cool. Let's wrap it up there, man. Yeah, man. PTC Cast episode ten. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. Um, I'm Alex Martin. You can follow us at Progress Through Change or my personal bodybuilding log, which is at Alex Chris Martin. Um, this is Cholito Saldana, Christopher Saldana. You can follow him at Cholito Saldana. We're just throwing up gang signs today. Yeah. You can no, uh, <laughs> no, no affiliations, <laughs> but gang signs. But anyways, thank you all for listening. Um, leave us any questions, comments, whatever you got down below. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.